Jesus uh, told a parable. I, I believe it's one of his favorite because it appears in both uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, a parable about, that describes God as a farmer uh, who distributes the seed of his word in many lives and how some uh, people are such fertile soil that the seed takes root and produces much fruit. But Jesus says that there are uh, some people where the seed starts to take root, starts to grow, but then the seed falls prey to an outside force and it fails to survive. Jesus says that this outside force is like a bird that snatches the seedling out of the ground. Jesus says that this outside force is like a scorching heat that withers the seedling. And Jesus says that this outside force is like a weed that just chokes the life out of the seedling. And Jesus says that although many people receive the seed of spiritual life, many do not survive because they fall prey to an outside force which battles against the soul. Jesus says that each one of us is the target of an enemy force, outside force, but there are secrets to spiritual survival. Would you please turn your Bible or your device to Ephesians? This is Paul's letter to the Christians in Ephesians, beginning uh, in chapter 6, verse 10. And we'll study the secrets of survival from God's Word. And in these words I'm about to read, God warns us that as soon as I become uh, a follower of Jesus, I become a friend of all heaven and an enemy of all hell. And if I want to thrive as a child of God, I must get serious about staying strong as if my survival depended on it, because it does. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So notice at the very beginning here that this is a warning not about some potential threat. It is not, well, maybe this day of evil will come and maybe, no. This is when the day of evil comes. So in order to survive, I need to be prepared by following the secrets of survival that Paul lists as pieces of spiritual armor. Paul wrote this letter, Ephesians, in prison, where he was likely chained to or at least guarded by a Roman soldier. So a Roman soldier's armor became a very handy metaphor when Paul thought to himself, how can I communicate the secrets of spiritual survival necessary for every follower of Jesus? 
Paul starts by saying that staying spiritually strong begins with the issue of truth. The first secret of survival is think truth. I find it interesting that Paul begins with the belt of truth. I mean, uh, why not start with the biggest piece of the soldier's army, the shield or the breastplate? Or better yet, why not start with the top, with the helmet, and then work one's way down? No, but Paul wisely begins with this leather belt and the issue of truth because everything hangs on truth. When Paul looked at the first century Roman soldier's belt, he was looking at this essential tool on which hung the essential tools. Somebody has said that uh, the purpose of the belt of truth is to keep our spiritual pants from falling down. Not true, because Roman soldiers didn't have pants. The belt had a much different purpose. Just like Roman soldiers didn't have pants, they didn't have pockets. And so the belt held everything that the soldier needed. On the belt hung a rope for uh, capturing prisoners, keys for setting prisoners free, a place to hold money, uh, a hook for the shield, a loop for the sword, a place for some uh, lipstick and eyeliner. Are you listening to me? Are you, are you listening to me at all? Uh, just like everything a soldier needs is hung on the belt, everything I need spiritually hangs on the issue of truth. Now, it's important here to take a step back and consider the goals of the spiritual enemy. In verse 11, Paul refers to the devil's schemes. What are these schemes? Well, in a sense, these schemes are all customized, right? Uh, the enemy has uh, uh, customized schemes designed to exploit my individual weaknesses and yours. But in another sense, all the schemes of darkness are the same because they all work toward the same three goals. What are those goals? The enemy's schemes all aim for keeping me from a relationship with God keeping me from doing anything for God and keeping me from receiving anything from God. Paul mentions the belt of truth first because it addresses Satan's top goal, which is keeping me from a relationship with God. If the enemy can keep me from truth, the enemy can keep me from a relationship with God. How do we know this? Well, because... A relationship with God begins with the issue of truth, right? A relationship with God begins when I say, God, I admit the truth that I am separated from you by my sin. I believe the truth that there is only one way for me to overcome this separation. And that is through my faith in the truth of what Jesus did on the cross for me. Truth is the only way to start a relationship with God and the only way to continue a relationship with God is to continue in truth. So the first secret to survival is to think truth. 
because the enemy's primary scheme is to get me to believe lies about myself and about God in an effort to keep me from a relationship with God. Satan tries to keep me from God with lies, like the I can fool God lie. Uh, the Apostle John addresses this lie in the first chapter of his first letter where he says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we truthfully confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will purify us and forgive us from all our sins. The I can fool God lie is... It relates to the idea that I can, re I can have a relationship with God like I have with people. Uh, we know that we can fool people. Uh, we all know that we can be full of prejudice and hate on the inside, but on the outside, act like we have love and compassion, and we can fool people. We're tempted to believe that our tricks of avoidance, our masks that are double talk, fool God. It is a lie. And this lie is a disaster because it keeps me from an honest relationship with God. It keeps me from confessing the truth so that God can purify me in the process. This lie gives me a phony relationship with God instead of the real, honest friendship that God wants with me. Another lie that keeps me from a close relationship with God is the I should just give up lie. This is the lie that is whispered in my ear every time I fail. This is the lie that says, I'm no good and I should just give up trying to have a relationship with God because God doesn't want me. The TV reality show Survivor is about ready to go into its uh, 28th season in a couple of weeks. And uh, like every other season in this new season, as soon as a contestant is voted off the island, that person is forced to do something immediately before they take a shower or anything else. You know what it is? The first thing they must do is they have to sit down and meet with a psychologist for a psychological evaluation. And when I heard this, I thought, this is so Hollywood. You know, what a coddled generation we are. We can't even lose a game without getting some counseling. Uh, but, you know, I read something that actually made me think that my uh, first reaction was a little premature. Uh, I read that our s American Survivor series is based on a uh, Swedish TV experiment. But the Swedish version was never aired because the first contestant who was voted off the island returned home and committed suicide by throwing himself in front of a train. It's a rather dramatic uh, proof that surviving an artificial island is easy. It's coming back to real life that can kill you. It's coming back with a sense of failure that is hard to survive. It's experiencing rejection or shame or disappointment that's hard to survive. And when the enemy whispers things like, you know, you sin and you keep sinning. You fail and you keep on failing. You should be ashamed and you should just give up on a relationship with God because he doesn't want you. You know, that's the kind of lie that makes it hard to survive if we believe it. 
I mentioned how the enemy customizes schemes for each person. Your enemy knows what lies you are most vulnerable to. And it is vital that you get honest about what you're most tempted to think about in terms of lies and get honest about the truth. To stay strong, I need to know the truth and think the truth. Which leads to the second uh, secret of survival. Do righteousness. In verse 14, Paul says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the biblical definition of righteousness in this context is about doing. Doing what is right in the eyes of God. The breastplate of righteousness is God communicating to me that the chief way to stay strong spiritually is to live right in his eyes. On a summer day in uh, 1981, the Archbishop of Canterbury looked at uh, Charles, Prince of Wales, and Diana, and he started the wedding by saying, here is the stuff of which fairy tales are made. We all know what a fractured fairy tale that marriage turned out to be. And I'm no royals expert, but uh, I've read that in the midst of their troubled marriage, there was one event that crushed them as a couple. Uh, in 1988, Charles and Diana were skiing in the Swiss Alps, and they grew bored with the marked trails. And so along with four friends, Charles and Diana uh, broke through the fences uh, so that they could ski on fresh powder on prohibited trails. Then tragedy struck. An avalanche hit them, and Charles' best friend was killed. And another friend was seriously injured. And the finger pointing back and forth between Charles and Diana supposedly was a crushing blow. God has marked the trails, the right trails, the right living in his word that he wants us to follow. And whenever I break through one of those fences of God's revealed will, I expose myself to an avalanche that threatens my survival. When I break through God's boundaries and I become greedy uh, for more money and more stuff, I come under an avalanche of discontent and disillusionment and despair. When I break through God's sexual boundaries, I come under an avalanche of relationship ruin and disease, addiction, or worse. And those are just two examples of the principle that when I jump the rails and when I leave the marked trails of God's will, I leave some of God's protection. The only place I can be spiritually strong and safe is in the marked trail of God's, word, uh, God's will revealed in God's word, which leads to the next secret of survival. Serve God. Verse 15, Paul says, have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. Paul is saying that part of being spiritually strong is having my shoes on so I can serve God. Remember the enemy's goals. Uh, if darkness can't keep me from a relationship with God, uh, darkness will settle by keeping me from doing anything for God. If I want to stay strong spiritually, I must use whatever gifts, talents, resources God has given me to serve him and his kingdom. One of the most dangerous places for me as a follower of Jesus is 
kicking back and throwing my shoes off, not making a difference, not serving God. If I am not serving God in some way, somewhere in the body of Christ, in this church, if I'm not on a mission in my workplace or in my neighborhood to share the love of Jesus with those around me, if I am not moving with purpose, God's purpose, with the shoes of the gospel on, then I'll tell you what I am. I am a sitting duck. If you are not serving God somewhere, you are a sitting duck. Don't be a sitting duck. Put on your shoes. Serve like your survival depended on it because it does. Notice the word fitted. Uh, have your feet fitted with the readiness to serve. It's not a one-size-fits-all deal. God wants you to find your fit and serve. You don't have to have a certain personality to serve God. You need to find your own fit, your own way, and serve in it. Paul says the next secret of survival is that I must have faith. In verses uh, 16 and 17, we're told to take the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. The enemy's first two goals are to keep me from a relationship with God or to keep me from doing anything for God. But if the enemy uh, is no other option, the enemy settles for the third goal, which is to keep me from receiving what God wants to give me. The shield of faith and the helmet of salvation are all about staying strong by receiving what God has for me, receiving God's power and love. My enemy wants to keep me from receiving these, these things, like God's peace. And so the enemy throws darts of, of worry and anxiety by the handful. But my defense is the shield of faith. Here comes the dart of financial worry. I deflect it by my faith in God's promise to meet my needs. Here comes a dart of uh, anxiety in a family crisis. The shield of faith deflects it as I trust God and God's character and his promise to say that prayer really does make a difference, that the prayer of a righteous man or woman really does have a, a, a powerful and effective uh, result. The enemy has really only one weapon, and it is fear. The darts of worry, doubt, anxiety are all made of fear. The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter emphasizes the lion's roar. The lion is not the strongest animal in the jungle. The lion is not the swiftest animal in the jungle. The lion is the king of the jungle because of the roar that paralyzes prey in fear. And what keeps me from receiving everything that God wants to give me is what? Fear. The roar. God wants to give me his fearless love that reaches out past my insecurities and really makes a difference in the lives of the people around me. But what keeps me from stepping out in faith? The roar. Fear. But my trust in God overcomes the roar and fear. My trust in God's character and his promises in scripture sets me free from fear so I can receive God's peace in my life. The shield of faith makes me strong to receive God's peace. The helmet of salvation makes me strong 
to receive God's love and approval, which leads us to the next secret. Remember salvation. The helmet of salvation protects me from the mind games of the evil one. The enemy knows that if I really have God as my daddy and live in this unconditional love and approval and acceptance, the enemy knows if I really believe that and live in that, I will be an unstoppable threat. And so the enemy throws accusations against me designed to make me feel unworthy before God. The enemy says, God is not your dad. You're not his child. You need to earn it. You need to earn his love. And by filling my mind with guilt and shame and this works kind of righteousness, Satan keeps me from receiving the confidence that comes with experiencing God's daddy-like love and approval. You know what Satan uh, that Satan and devil are not names, they're, they're titles. Uh, the original language of the Bible, the devil, means the accuser. And this is what the enemy does. The enemy comes to accuse me that I don't share my faith enough, I don't, uh, I'm not good enough, I, I don't pray enough, and the, the enemy doesn't want me to pray more. This, my spiritual enemy just wants to fill me with feelings of inadequacy to separate me from this experience of God's love and approval and shut me down. Wearing the helmet of salvation means I'm constantly remembering the basics of salvation. I cannot earn God's forgiveness. I can only receive it in Jesus. I cannot earn God's love. I can only receive it by faith. God is my daddy. I receive all the rights of his child, not based on what I do, but because of his love for me in Jesus. Remembering this gives me the power to receive God's love and approval. And say with Paul in Romans chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. My spiritual survival depends on this. I must remember the basis of my salvation revealed in God's word, which leads to Paul's final secret of spiritual survival. Use scripture. The final piece of armor mentioned here in verse 17 is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God doesn't want me playing defense. God wants me to go on the offense using the points, sharp points of his word. But scripture is not an automatic threat to the evil one. It only becomes a threat when the sword is in the hands of someone who knows how to use it. Eve lost in the garden because she didn't know how to use God's word. When Satan tempted Eve, uh, she responded with God's word. From Genesis 3.3, uh, 3, she says, uh, you, God told me, God's word is, you must not eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it. Eve quoted God's word. Unfortunately, she made uh, two mistakes. The first is that she didn't know exactly... I remember exactly what God said. She said, you must never touch the tree where God never said that. Uh, the second problem is that uh, Eve didn't use God's word as the last word. Uh, Eve just used God's word as part of a conversation 
with the serpent. Eve was destroyed by the tempter because she didn't know how to use God's word. I correctly use God's word when I know what God says about uh, in scripture on all subjects and I make what God says the last word on all subjects. I must study scripture so that I know what God says and then I must use God's word as the last word in my decision making or I will never survive spiritually unless I make using scripture my top priority. A man named John Dorsey wrote these words. I had a battle fierce today within my place of prayer. I went to meet and talk with God, but I found Satan there. He whispered, you can't really pray. You lost out long ago. You might say words while on your knees, but you're not worthy, you know. So then I pulled my helmet down, way down upon my ears. I found that it helped to still that voice and helped to allay my fears. I checked my other armor ore. My feet in peace were shod. My belt of truth was girded round. My sword, the word of God. My righteous breastplate still was on. My heart's love to protect. My shield of faith was all intact. His fiery darts bounced back. I called on God in Jesus' name. I pled the precious blood. Then Satan sulked away in shame. And I met and talked with God. These words highlight the truth of what Jesus taught when he compared God to a farmer and says that God is spreading seed among lives like your life and mine. But Jesus warns that there's an outside force that threatens my soul. God's word teaches me everything I need to know in order to survive. In Ephesians 6, God supplies these secrets of staying strong, think truth, do righteousness, serve God, have faith, remember salvation, use scripture. But these are more than survival secrets because God wants me to do much more than just survive. God wants me to thrive. Through these secrets, God wants me to thrive in a joyful relationship with him. God wants me to thrive as I do great things through his power. God wants me to thrive as I receive his peace and love from him. God wants your seed to grow and produce a harvest of power and purpose and gladness in your life. God wants you to more than just, sur just survive. God wants you to thrive in his power. Would you please stand as we close?